Well, you know, I think a church ought to be noisy. Not nosy. Not the same thing, you know what I mean? Now, I'm out of my comfort zone for the next year because this is the year of revival. I don't know anything about evangelism. I'm very, very lacking in that subject. My son has accused me of compromising in my preaching because I don't, what does he say, uh, rip your face. So I'm going to try to see if God won't just fire us up again. I like the phrase, that church is on fire. Don't call the fire department. That's the wrong kind of fire. But I'd like to see our church once again having a good time serving Jesus. No sham, no show. Just having fun coming to church. And for some, it has ceased being fun. It has become a drudgery, and we need to be careful about that. Uh, years ago, I used to tell a story about this Baptist fellow from Tennessee went to church downtown. He is in the city for just a moment and went to go to church on the Lord's Day. He sat on the back row. preacher started preaching. And he got happy, and he stood up and said, Amen! Praise the Lord. One of the ushers walked by and said, Sit down. Don't you do that again. Well, the preacher started preaching again. Started getting happy about it, and the old boy thought about it a minute, and he said, I don't care if that paralyps the devil. And he stood up and said, Amen! Pass that around again, preacher. Usher went over and grabbed him by the shoulder and slapped him down in the seat and said, Sit down! Shut up! Don't say another word. Well, the preacher started talking about the grave couldn't hold him. The water couldn't drown him. Fire couldn't burn him. The lions couldn't bite him. The old boy just stood up and, Woohoo! Praise God! Usher went and told him, said, Now, I told you. Sit down! The guy said, You don't understand, man. I've got religion. Usher said, I don't care if I can't help that. You didn't get it here. Now sit down and shut up. <laughs> if anything we ought to get around here is we ought to get a little, little happy. I, I, I would dare say if somebody genuinely shouted, ten people would faint. And they'd say, well, that's phony. That's whooped up fire. Well, I'd rather have whooped up fires no far at all. A lot of that stuff at the ball games whooped up fire. But they keep paying all that money to go back and whoop it up again. Amen. So let me just preach to you a little while this morning. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Kings 18, 2 Chronicles 7. First Chronicles 21, and anywhere else that we'd like to stop for a while this morning. 
1 Kings chapter 18. The context is Ahab, the most wicked, ungodly king in all the Bible, is on the throne. He's married a lady, an idolatress, by the name of Jezebel. And God has judged the nation, and God's man has prayed, and it has not rained for three years and six months. And the situation now is dire. No grass, no water, and the economy is shot. And God tells Elijah to confront the Obama of his day. Just a matter of speech, just a matter of... And so Elijah confronts Ahab and challenges Ahab and all of his cronies to a showdown. It happens at Mount Carmel. 450 false prophets and one godly man by the name of Elijah. The contest has been set. The bullocks have been chosen. And now the prayer is to be made. And the Bible says in chapter 18, of verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. Notice who turned the heart. They did not. God did. Revival is not whooped up. Revival is not from down up. Revival is from up down. And God said, I have turned their heart now. And the Bible said, and the fire of the Lord fell. The fire of the Lord fell. I'd hate for anybody to say that I was the pastor of a cold, dead, dry, lifeless church. Some folks terms it orthodox. Some folk camouflage deadness under the term of maturity. Some folk camouflage a dead church under the disguise of discipleship. But whatever it is, cold is still cold. Dead is still dead. Lifeless is still lifeless. And nobody likes visiting a mortuary. 
Well, preacher, if your church gets too noisy, folk won't come. How many went to the Super Bowl? Man, do you know what they paid for tickets for all that noise? Preacher, don't get excited around the church. Don't you know that that will run folk off? Let's try it and see. Most of the time, the only folks, only time folks smile from church is when they're leaving. Hello, can anybody say amen? Now, I told you I'm out of my comfort zone, and, uh, and I'm used to teaching, and so I don't know about this uh, tiptoeing through the tulips kind of stuff, but I don't believe God's ever going to send revival until maybe some fire falls. Now, I know it's just a coincidence that happened, but I'd like to go to First Chronicles chapter number uh, 7, if that would be all right, or chapter 21, First Chronicles chapter 21. Explain the context for, if you would please, David the king has had a great idea. David the king says, God has been so good to us. Look at all the soldiers we have and what a great army we have and what a great nation we have. Look how God has blessed us. So I think maybe we ought to get our eyes off God, get them on the army, and start counting the soldiers. And David began to numberize it. Nickels and noses. How many did you have Sunday? Sunday? Preacher, have no idea. I hadn't looked. How many did you have last month? Have no idea. Haven't looked. This church don't depend on us. It depends on him. We don't ever want to take our eyes off him and start counting our numbers and say, man, look what we've done. Look what we can do. We can put a hundred in the visitation program and we can have soldiers. No, it's all up to God, not up to us. And David had numbered Israel and sinned against God. And God told David, I'll give you three choices. You're going to have to pay for your sin because the Bible said, be sure your sins will find you out. And God gave David three, three choices. Number one, pestilence. Number two, visiting armies to destroy the people of God. And David chose pestilence because he knew God was a merciful God. David has now purchased Ornan's threshing floor. God has now stayed the angel from wiping out 70,000 of David's army. David built... There an altar. This is verse 26 of chapter 21. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire. How would you like to see some fire? Not me. The only Baptist in the place. 
answered by fire. Revival fire. We don't need no more ice. We don't need no more you sit on your pew and I'll sit on mine and we don't talk to one another. You don't wear the kind of deodorant I wear. Some folk don't wear any at all. We don't need no more sophistication. No, we, we don't need no more education. Uh, we don't need no more orthodoxy. What we need is some fire from God. I mean Holy Ghost fire. I'm talking about the kind that comes down and consumes all of our ideas and all of our desires and all of our wants and puts us back on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And now he is number uno. Now he is the boss. Can anybody say amen? You say, preacher, how do I know that I need fire when you're cold? Nobody likes being cold unless you like snuggling up to mama. I knew I'd get Marshall to jump in on somewhere. Many of us has laid in the bed, shivering, ice cold with a blanket just on the other side of the bed. We're still thinking lazy to get up and get the blanket. You can say, man, it's okay. Yeah. I tell you, being cold is not a very good deal. Nobody likes being cold. And you know, spiritual coldness is just as miserable as physical coldness. What we need to do is get a little closer to the fire. Now, the fire hadn't moved. We're the ones that's moved. Uh, we need to get a little closer to the fire. We live in a time when families are failing. If ever this nation and our church and our homes needed prayer and revival, it's today. The divorce rate is staggering. Parenting is left to society because dads are lustful and would rather appease their flesh as to give peace to their kids. We're in a pitiful, puny society. Children are abused and unwanted. Adultery is no longer adultery. It's just trying it out. And see if everything works. Premarital sex is out, is running rampant, and homosexuality, you don't say anything about it, or they'll be protesting in front of your church next week. I'll buy their signs if they want to do that out front of ours. Marriage has become secular, 
scandalous and sacrilegious. Marriage is not a secular governmental thing. It's a biblical thing. It was instituted by God, not by Obama and his crowd. Who are they to decide whether a male and a male can get married or not? When we're in a heap of trouble in America, folks. I don't know if you know it or not. They want me to honor their marriage stipulations? Forget it. We live in a time when our government is scandalous as it could be. The only way we know that the White House is lying is when their lips are moving. I've got more confidence in Khrushchev, and he's dead. At least I don't have to worry about him lying about the Crusades and accusing Christians of killing Muslims in Jesus' name. If that don't make you mad, you ain't got no mad. We say, y'all not get mad in the pulpit. You Would you give me that verse, please? I'd like to see that. Elijah, after the fire fell, slew... 450 of the false prophets down by the brook. All in Christian love, of course. We live in a time when violence is rapid. No wonder there's so many shootings and killings going on around us. They see it on television. They see it everywhere. They hear it on the records that all they hear is violence and spoil and killing. Hey, whatever happened to love one another? It's cheaper than cartridges and a whole lot safer. I'd hate to know how many folks in this church right today has got a gun on them. If anybody shoots, you'll find me in the bottom of the baptistry because I'm jumping in it. Because if one guy shoots, that ain't the only shoot around this place. And I just happen to have uh, my belt too tight. We live in a time when the church is irreverent. It makes no difference anymore. I mean, we're just irrelevant. Many mainline churches, denominations, no longer believe the Bible is inerrant, inspired, and preserved. The gospel been watered down to I'll say another book to teach you how to smile. That way I can buy a football stadium and fill it with folk who's not saved. Sorry, miss, we your hero. And all the time people are perishing, going to hell. While we sit in our churches and sing our songs 
and emulate every graveyard in town. We just need some fire from heaven. Uh, we need to get <clears throat> heated up again. Uh, we need a refreshing, if you please. I think many of us could stand a little springtime in our life. It looks like winter has set in. The clouds of despair and boredom has now moved in our life. And nothing that said at Joshua Baptist Church will move us. We're going to sit right here and grieve the Holy Spirit, for we shall not be moved. You say, well, you had a big offering. I don't need your wallet. God needs your heart. And you need God a lot more than you need the offering you put in last week. We all do. Can we say amen? So revive us again, oh God. Fill it heart with each love. And let each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Revive us again, oh God. Revive us again. The world knows when we have lost the flickering of the flame. See, it's not the churches that is on fire for God that's hurting the cause of Christ. It's Christians who have grown cold and indifferent and have lost your enthusiasm. For Christ. Notice this morning how you came to church. Yep, they got our seat again. I don't know why they got this big parking lot, got to walk all the way in Cleburne to get here. Well, bless your happy heart. We could have rocks out there you're falling on. That's real life expensive concrete. You... Fortunate folk, please let me remind you the world knows when the fire has gone out. We may not recognize that the fire is out. And we may not recognize that our enthusiasm is gone. You see more enthusiasm at an opening of an umbrella than you do in the average Baptist church on Sunday morning. The kids down at the schoolhouse know when the fire is gone. People you work with know when the fire is gone. May I say to you, if you read through your Bible, fire is always symbolic of the presence of God. Read it, buddy, from front to cover. And fire is always symbolic of the presence of God. He was just a lonely desert shepherd boy he was. Educated beyond his means at the feet of Pharaoh's daughter. 
a man of medicine, a man of science, a man of means. But now he's in the back of a desert keeping sheep for his father-in-law. And suddenly, God shows up. You remember how? In a burning Something unusual about that bush. It burnt, but was not consumed. Something strange about that. Moses, take your shoes off. You're in the presence of Almighty God. Fire. Not ice cubes. Not popsicles. We need some heavenly fire. Just two discouraged, despondent Baptist preachers they were, walking down the road after the crucifixion. You remember them. The rest of the fellows had gone fishing. Somebody came up beside them and began to talk to them. You remember the situation? Their eyes were holding or blinded. They might not recognize that it was the resurrection Lord that was walking with them. After Jesus had opened their eyes, one of them said, are you ready for this? Did not our hearts burn within us as he opened unto us the word. Holy heartburn. Couldn't swallow it. Couldn't spit it up. And tongues couldn't help it. Holy heartburn. Dear God, we need some of that. We need some of that that beat down discouragement and beat down selfishness and beat down envy and beat down strife and beat down laziness and beat down just sorry, no good for nothingness. Dear God, send the fire again to this place. Yeah, they think I'm crazy. They parked at a mountain called Sinai. Moses came down. He said, now before God shows up, you folk are going to have to get some things right in your life. Going to have to watch how you dress. Take a bath. Some of you smell like the world, he said. <laughs> Amen, preacher. Bible said that God came down on the mountain. And the smoke and the char rose up into heaven, but God came down in fire. Oh, dear God, we need that again in America. 
We need something divine that will get and keep our attention. Seven days in a row. Something that will keep our attention above all of our worries, our anxieties, our jobs, our finances, everything in the world. We just need something big enough to keep our eyes on God until we get back next week. That would probably cut down on the arguing. Pentecost took place. By the way, what identified Pentecost except cloven tongues like as a fire? <coughs> John the Baptist said in prophetic announcement, I am not he. There's one who comes after me whose shoe latchets I am not worthy to loose. And he shall baptize you in fire and in the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I, I don't know all I know about that verse. But I'd just like to see it happen. Wouldn't it be something if God so done something here this morning that you couldn't wait till tonight not to stay home and watch your one-eyed God but want to stay here a while. Cold. Solomon has now built the temple. Well, the seven wonders of the world Manufactured, constructed without one nail, without any concrete, dap, or what else do you blend in with, Billy? Stuff. Mind precisionally perfect, if you please, in the quarries outside of the city. Brought inside the city, placed together, all standing there until they put the cornerstone that held it all together. The building has now been completed. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. What if God's glory so filled this place, we wouldn't have any room for your glory or my glory? And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire, how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. What if it got so noisy in here? Somebody thought there was a ball game going on. <laughs> 
<laughs> My wife, I love her so much. We was watching the news the other night, and they started showing a hockey game because there's a fight. I thought everybody had heard this. I said, well, they went to a fight, and the hockey game broke out. She cracked up. She said, I must have married the smartest man in all the world. And she sat there, and she was just so impressed with me for coming up with these original, original statements. It's almost like me watching a fight on Friday night and making a bet with her on Saturday. You haven't. I have. Once. Wouldn't it be nice if we came to a fight at the church and church broke out? Wouldn't it be nice if we came to the church with the intention of grieving the Holy Spirit? And all of a sudden, the fire fell. And we were happy in the Lord again. Wouldn't it be something if God just got loose in this place? After all, we got a big enough building he'd run around in. I'd like to just close. It's already time to close. I ain't even through the introduction yet. <laughs> Listen to me. You know why we need to fire? Because it's miserable being cold. Miserable. Have you ever seen so many miserable Christians in your life? Don't ask a Christian how they feel. Unless you've got a lot of time. I mean, something's wrong everywhere. Somebody asked me this morning, how you feel? I said, man, I'm still upright. Praise God, I'm upright. And what ain't hurting is working. But I want you to know something. When the temperature goes down, misery sets in. Have you ever been down at the propane place when a Christian had just run out of propane and seen the Christian spirit in that place? Oh, it was you I saw down there. You want it now. You can't understand my poodle's going to get cold. Coldness always produces misery. What is your spiritual temperature right now? How many chapters of the Bible did you read this week? How many moments did you spend in prayer? How many folks did you warn about hell? How many kinfolks around your house did you encourage about heaven? How many kids did you sit down and try to show them what a godly man is like? I'm afraid a high percentage of today's Christians are cold, indifferent, lethargic, 
and miserable. You know why you don't come tonight? You're miserable. It's not your fault, it's everybody else's fault. Not even God's not even God's fault. He gave you that kid. You ever notice how they're your kids when they're disobedient and they're her kids when they're little angels? I'm just saying, the reason we need some fire is fire is a remedy for cold. Now, you're looking at me right now and say, you're preaching just to me. You're right. Have you heard me say this? If I'm in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. Are you cold, indifferent to the things of God, the things of your church, to prayer, fullness of the Holy Spirit, love, Mercy, kindness, temperance, or are you judgmental, critical? Right now you're saying, he's preaching too long. You need to get revived. Next, you know when you get cold, you know what sets in after misery? None. You know what's next after miserable? None. Bible don't affect you. Preaching don't affect you. You're just none because of coldness, lethargic, emotionless. I don't know if you know it or not, but I didn't see one numb fan at the Super Bowl. They were standing, they were yelling, they were fighting, they were drinking, they were yelling, they were excited. I wish I had a still picture of you right now. Nobody wants to come to this Super Bowl. Somebody's taken the feeling out of our faith. Pentecost and the assembly of God has shamed you into being miserable. They've convinced you that the Holy Ghost is dead and don't come no more, and the fire of God has been quenched by the water chief of the devil. And we just show up when we want to. We're none. Say what you want to, preacher, it ain't going to bother me. You're not. I'm going to sit right here and be miserable. Because that's what I want to do. When coldness sets in, it sets in very gradual and you don't even realize it. We go to church. Cold. Oh, we go to church. None. We go to church lifeless and emotionless. Nothing bothers us. We don't care what the Bible says about assembling yourself together. 
It don't bother us that the Bible said, Go ye into all the world. That's everybody going at the same time. We don't care. We're numb. <laughs> We're numb and miserable. You say, Preacher, we had a big offering. What do you want me to do? Chrome your belly button? God didn't die for your wallet. He died for you. He died for me. It's my heart he wants. It's out of the heart flows the issues of life. It's out of the heart that makes the decision. God wants our heart, not our money. I was sitting on a rock in Colorado. I'd started a mission there during deer season. I locked my truck because I had another gun in my truck. I sat on this rock from before daylight to way in the morning. I did not know that I'd sat there on that rock and froze to death. I was so cold, I tiptoed back to my truck because my heels wouldn't work. Took the key in my hand put it in the door of my truck and did not have the strength to unlock my truck. Gradually, slowly, I'd sit on that dumb rock and become useless. And if somebody had not come along and opened the door, I could not have turned the key because my hands I wonder how many of us sit in the church lifeless and gradually through our misery cause of events that has transpired that he need to blame somebody else or God we have become miserable and in our misery we've come Become numb to the Word of God. We need fire. We need heaven's fire. I close with the coldness brings inactivity. I don't know about you, but just before a man freezes to death, they tell me he gets real sleepy. Now, some of you medical professionals might be able to help. Spiritually, are you getting sleepy? Time for that long-winded, stinking preacher to shut up. We'll sit at home and watch Lonesome Dove through three times and never gripe. And buddy, that's a longing. I pray to get sick occasionally so I can do a Lonesome Dove marathon. You say, what do you do with all that shooting and stuff? Enjoy it. 
right before rigor mortis sets in. He gets sleep. I just believe with all of my heart that fire would produce more attention than ice. I dare say if we parked an ice truck out on the scales with 20 tons of ice in the truck, with a sign on the side, ice, no one would stop. No one would look. No one would notice. I bet if we moved that ice truck and put a fire truck up and turned the lights on, we'd have a traffic jam in 174 because everybody wants to see when there's fire. Nobody about ice trucks. But everybody cares about fire trucks. And when the day of Pentecost has fully come, they were assembled in one place with one accord. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were assembled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with other tongues. See, when fire falls, it fixes the language problem. And when fire falls, it fixes the nationality problem because all 16 nations heard the word of God in their own language. What we need is some fire. Revival fire. Holy Ghost fire that will melt the coldness of our soul.